The company started 34 years ago as a startup with three people. We are developing sensing solutions and in many product categories we are number one worldwide. We are constantly looking for people with a technical background and it's becoming increasingly challenging. We are working mostly in, in safety, so saving lives, so we have a purpose which is very honorable. Hello and welcome at Logistics Conversations, the podcast of the Cluster for Logistics Luxembourg. Through this podcast you will discover the international world of our sector. Even better, you will hear passionate people and their exciting small and important stories. Logistics is essential in Luxembourg and we want you to have a look behind the scene. Good morning, this is Malik Zenidi from the Cluster for Logistics, your host of the Logistics Conversation podcast. Today we have Paul Schockmel, CEO from EAA in the new EAA headquarters in Wiesen on the podcast. Uh, the Wiesen Automotive Campus is expected to attract more automotive suppliers. Uh, the trend for mobility and even hydrogen is one of the discussions we want to have. Uh, so uh, thank you, Paul, for having us today. Good morning. Good morning. So let, let, let me start with uh, EAA. Your slogan is Intelligent Sensing Solutions. Could you please describe EAA? What is your company known for? And what are the different business units? What does EAA do? Yes, our, our slogan is a little bit different. We are close. It's a, a sense for innovation. It's even in our logo of our company. And it explains all, already a little bit uh, where we are coming from. So we are a specialist in developing, manufacturing, and, and selling sensing solutions. And this was a big specialty in automotive, not exclusively. So we are worldwide known and the leader, what you're calling interior car occupant sensing. So we are developing sensing solutions to detect people, track them, count them, classify them, etc. And in many product categories, we are number one worldwide. To give a few examples, seatbelt reminder, everybody knows it. That's the device which is uh, annoying you when you're not putting your seatbelt. Uh, we are developing and, and producing the, uh, the, the sensors to alert the people when they are not wearing the belt. Saving a lot of people. We are by far number one since 20 years worldwide. Uh, second uh, product where we are number one, it's hands-off detection. It's related uh, to cars which are highly automated to avoid that people are driving hands-free because this is forbidden. Our device is detecting and giving a warning that they should put the hands again on, on the wheel. We are number one worldwide. And uh, there are many other uh, products, I, I, the list is long, uh, where we are known as being the leader in, in this market. Thank you for this introduction. Uh, Paul, you are the CEO of EAA. Could you give us some background information about you yourself and how you became CEO? Mm -hmm. I'm in, in the automotive business, I'm more than, than 30 years. Most of the time I spent uh, at IE starting as, as a salesperson and in many functions like uh, marketing, innovation, business development, corporate development, etc. And uh, since two, two years I have been nominated as being the successor of Michel Witte, one of the founders of, uh, of, of, of the company. And of course I'm, I'm happy uh, to, uh, to conclude my career with that position. But automotive is for me more than working for IE. I had also founded uh, 20 years ago uh, ILEA, that's the Luxembourgish Association of Automotive uh, Suppliers. 
Then I founded also the cluster for automotive components hosted by, by Lux Innovation. I was in the board and I was for uh, many years uh, the CEO of CLEPA, the European Association of Automotive Suppliers, and speaking for 5 million people. So automotive is the biggest sector uh, in industry in, in, in Europe. And I went a few years back uh, uh, to, to IE from, from, from Brussels uh, to lead now the company. Uh, you're an engineer by background. I'm an engineer by background, but also an uh, um, economics, so Economy, a business okay. background. Okay. So your company exists since more than 30 years. Uh, can you explain how you grew, grew from Luxembourg to uh, more than 500 million sales, if the figures are correct, in 2019 with over 4,000 employees? Yeah, the company started 34 years ago as a startup with three people. And uh, uh, during the first years, close to bankruptcy. And then with a lot of luck, uh, one of our representatives uh, was at uh, the coffee machine at Mercedes. Uh, and there an engineer was a little bit complaining that he is not finding technology to detect people sitting on the seat. And our distributor, he said, I have a sensor in my pocket. Let's put it on the seat. Let's test it. It did work. And two years later, we were in zero production. And that was the start of the success story. So you have to work hard, and then you need a little bit luck, and then it's going up. And from then on, uh, we launched uh, uh, regularly new new products on the market, uh, uh, and then the growth uh, in, inside the car, uh, sensors inside the car, that, that is now going on since nearly 25 years. Okay, exciting story. I see that innovation can also start at the coffee machine. Um, your maybe uh, more complicated questions, what are your current challenges and what challenges did you have to address in the last two, three years during the COVID pandemic? Yeah, we, the, the number of challenges is, has grown over the last uh, f few years. Uh, so it started with COVID already in 2019. Our sector was suffering, so the automotive market was already declining a little bit. But then when COVID then Uh, we and, and many others uh, lost a lot of turnover within a few uh, an, within a few months. Uh, the same year uh, of COVID 2020, and at the end uh, there was an, a short recovery. We were all happy, but then uh, then we were in, in fact uh, somehow surprised by by the shortage situations of uh, of components, electrical components, and uh, and then mostly also semiconductors. A crisis which is still going on and is expected to go on for many years uh, to, to, to come. Then uh, we had uh, uh, the effect of, of, of Ukraine. Uh, then we are suffering now from, from uh, did, inflation. Did, 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 you, did, you the Ukraine war. did you manufacture in Ukraine? We have uh, suppliers from, no. uh, from, from Ukraine and we, we were delivering to Russia and we stopped, we brought it down to, to zero. So market breaking down and uh, suppliers in, in, in big trouble because their location, they were also under attack, etc. So these things are now more or less uh, under control, but still uh, what is now lasting is uh, is the, the inflation effect, uh, so the, the shortage of materials, components, and, and mostly semiconductors, and until very recently also COVID. Uh, so last year we had three times uh, a factory shutdown in, in China because of the zero COVID uh, strategy. So all these things together, and then in combination with uh, the transformation of our sector, so the automotive sector is, is in in the biggest transformation uh, scenario since the history of, of, of cars. So that is 
uh, demanding a lot from the companies uh, and uh, and and also invest to to cope with uh, let's say the, the the future and and the new world are you are you a company which is uh, on, uh, listed somewhere no uh, we are indirectly listed uh, our shareholder is listed uh, on the shenzhen uh, stock market in in china Okay, yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, some of the struggles which supply chain people have. We know that you have a, a large team in Eschternach uh, running your global supply chain. Today we are happy to have, uh, uh, since uh, this is our 21st podcast uh, since two years, and today we are lucky to have a new person on the team, which is uh, Gilles Brimaire. She joined the Cluster for Logistics recently, and I would like to involve her also in this first podcast. Uh, so maybe, uh, Jill, can you introduce yourself briefly and continue? Um, so hello, my name is Jill, and hello. I just recently joined a cluster for logistics, and I have a background in logistics and supply chain, and I will support Malik today a bit with this podcast. And since you, Paul, already uh, discussed a bit the sourcing strategies and different challenges in the past years, We were wondering what your sourcing strategies look like, multi-sourcing, single sourcing, and how those strategies might change now, given those shortages and challenges you have faced and are maybe still facing right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, the strategies have, have changed in, in, in the last uh, two years. Uh, so I remember when uh, the shortage problem started in early 21, uh, there was a lot, a lot of... Uh, let's say, uh, disastrous uh, scenarios and discussions with our customers. They were pretty aggressive with us. We were also responding pretty aggressively and, and et cetera. And this is understandable because it was a situation we never did see so far in that uh, dim dimension. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, uh, everybody has calmed down and, and we have put uh, programs in place uh, to cope with this. Uh, multiple uh, sourcing is, is one of them. It's always at, at, at a higher cost, and uh, in automotive, it's also not that easy to uh, to switch from a single source to multiple source because you have to go through very expensive and long-lasting qualification programs. And uh, but uh, everybody has become more flexible. Things have been possible which have not been possible uh, years ago. So um, the customers are accepting that you're changing electronics. So we uh, have redesigned a lot of electronics in order to avoid a certain components like chips, which are critical uh, and expected to continue to be critical. So we had, uh, in fact, to make new contracts with new suppliers, to redesign electronics, qualified with, with, uh, with the su suppliers. And, uh, and that led it then from sometimes single strategies um, to multiple sourcing uh, uh, strategies. We have also, in addition, put now a task force in place uh, since, since uh, last year or the year before, which is only from morning to evening treating, in, in fact, uh, bottlenecks. And, and we continue to have uh, uh, bottlenecks uh, simply to give a number. We have now in our company something like 850 critical materials and components. That's a huge number. So maybe you have 800 better under control, but if there still there are 50 which are still not uh, 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 still critical, then, it, then, then you have a problem. One Uh, very cheap uh, a cent uh, component on your electronics board missing and then then you can uh, you cannot deliver uh, <clears throat> so you say global supply and development that's your home turf how do you decide where to produce and how do you manage your patent and ip strategy mm -hmm. 
within that. Yeah, the decision where we produce is starting already uh, very early. Uh, so uh, uh, before we are starting the production of, of a product, uh, uh, are many years of development. And before the development is, uh, is started, there is an, a quotation and a process which also is lasting very long in automotive. And during the quotation process already, we are discussing with with our uh, customers uh, the location because the location has also an impact on on the price, of course, the, the piece price of the product, it makes a difference if you're supplying from Mexico to China or from China to China. So that is already discussions are started very early, always together with the customers, uh, because we have to know their locations of productions, and that's many, it's not only uh, one. And uh, in some cases, the customer is also putting, is forcing you to, to use a location very often, very close to, to, to his. Concerning the IP, the strategy is, uh, is, is pretty simple. It's important for us uh, to protect uh, uh, our IP. That's why we are writing uh, a pretty large number of, of patents. We are one of the biggest in, in, in Luxembourg. Uh, but we switched uh, a little bit from strategy to, uh, from patenting everything idea we have to patent very early, uh, in the early stage of, of an idea. Uh, and uh, in order to make sure that you are the first, uh, and then uh, if you're seeing if your idea is not flying, then also you're killing it uh, uh, pretty fast. But to avoid uh, that uh, somebody else is, is faster than you, because we see very often when you are filing a patent, then uh, very shortly after this, they are, they are followers. <laughs> so going back to choosing a location, is nearshoring or reshoring a subject for you? And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So for, for us, it's, of course, from our point of view, uh, it's important that we are as close as possible to uh, uh, to the customer, so we are uh, integrating our products uh, uh, so that, of course, the distances, the logistical distances are short, uh, the related costs are short, uh, avoiding also uh, import uh, uh, taxes and, uh, and, and, and duties, but also uh, being at the, at the same time zone uh, is extremely important because uh, the communication has to go on. And that's why short distances are always uh, helpful. Okay, so short distances means that you have also an, uh, lowering your environmental uh, footprint. Uh, exactly, uh, that's a very good point. Staying yeah. close. Yeah. Uh, semiconductor supply shortage, that's a hot topic for you in the automotive industry. Uh, since you supply sensor solutions for the industry, uh, you are directly impacted by this surges. Can you give us some insights on the semiconductor challenges from your view, because that's also ge geographic challenges? Yes. So my, if I'm starting with IE, so we have been very strongly impacted. So uh, as I said before, 850 components are critical for us st uh, still today. Uh, we have, uh, in fact, uh, last year, uh, a reduction of the turnover of more than 20 million euros as, 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 as a direct Im, Im impact, uh, but they also secondary impact because due to creation of a task force, due to redesign of new electronic sector, we had uh, an additional cost of f 5 million in investing in, in, in fact in these redesigns and other actions like uh, uh, broker costs, uh, so uh, brokers that's their transport cost, uh, tra <laughs> increased transport cost, etc. Yeah, and that's the variable cost, so also the variable cost have roughly increased last year by f by 4%. Does not sound much, 
but uh, it's already a lot as such. But if you're putting this in relationship that we are typically, as the suppliers, giving long-term price reductions. So every year we are reducing the price, and we have committed and signed it, the, the price in average by 2.5%, contracted. And, but your costs are going up by 4%. Then, in fact, uh, the two curves, they are going in the wrong direction. And that's a big headache uh, currently for, uh, for, for the supply, supply industry in, in general. Then coming back to the, the global picture, uh, the semiconductor industry only on, the, uh, on automotive uh, since 21, when it uh, started, uh, roughly 12 million cars could not be produced because, because of shortage, which which is a huge number and which is still uh, which That's is still 12 going. 12 million on how much global production of cars? Roughly 90, mil- uh, 90 million. So 12 compared to 90 million. So it's it's a big. It's a big number, and everybody else is feeling it. If you're going to order a car, you have to wait a long time. And uh, but ours, uh, the, the automotive sector has even uh, not an economic impact of the shortage. We ha- we are also in the structural uh, problem of of the semiconductors, uh, which is uh, only there for, for for our sector, and that is related uh, to the uh, to two things. Uh, first of all, the demand for semiconductors is will explode in automotive for next years. One of the big drivers is uh, uh, electrification of the cars, and especially in Europe. And that's something what, is, uh, what the legislators did not think of when they were pushing for a protected environment. They were not looking at secondary effects like this. Ah, the things, uh, the components available with uh, that increasing the, uh, demand. The other thing is uh, that the semiconductor industry is not capable to deliver them because they are no more investing in these technologies the automotive is using. And, and we are using more old uh, technologies. So wafers which, which uh, have microstructures um, which are 20 years old and, uh, and, then, and the sector is not investing in this. So we will have this problem for them from at least for two, three years to come. So, would you share some strategies or plans to make your supply chain maybe in those next two or three years a bit more resilient about against such disruptions? Yeah, but the measures, uh, uh, I mentioned them before, so it's uh, very much looking at the critical components and then having a plan in place uh, to replace them by alternatives if, uh, uh, if ex- existing. Of course, we are also now working more as partners uh, with our customers, so our customers also they understand uh, our situation and they are totally depending on us. So they are helping us also in 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 fact uh, to introduce us to to alternative uh, suppliers, even putting pressure on them, even having uh, high level meetings uh, uh, to uh, to to clarify a cert- a certain uh, situations. So the the customers they are they are they are playing also in the meantime uh, a, a very a very big uh, role. Of, uh, of course, um, uh, we, we cannot solve everything because uh, uh, only what is produced uh, in the semiconductor industry, electronics industry, can, can only be distributed. So everybody is going also for similar strategies. Uh, so that's not unique of us. So there is a fight which is continuing. We is, we is the fastest, fastest uh, and the biggest to, to get a grab on, uh, on, on these components. Okay, <clears throat> uh, maybe you can give us an example of um, a success story in the supply chain that you are sort of very proud of. Something you were able in, to in the solve. supply chain or for the for the company? Both, both, whatever yeah, yeah. You, you choose. I, I'm, I'm starting with with the, with the company. Uh, so there are many uh, success stories. So 
I would be proud of and also our employees. And I think the, the last one I'm thinking of is, is our latest product called uh, VitaSense. So it's a, it's a radar system installed inside the car to detect uh, uh, children, um, mostly newborns, if they are left alone in a car. And uh, in sunny days, uh, it must not be very warm, 18 degrees is sufficient. Uh, and a newborn can die within 20 minutes in the car if, if this newborn is left alone in it. And that happens again and again because most parents do not know it. I did also not know it a certain time ago. And uh, we were the first one now, uh, two years ago, to, to introduce uh, uh, this product uh, in the car based on a new technology. Uh, for solving a problem which was not identified uh, such as a problem. That's already an achievement because we had to do a lot of lobbying, first of all, to that people accepting that this problem existed because all the parents will say, no, that never happens to me. But it happens. We have the numbers, we have the statistics. We started 10 years ago already in the United States to lobby with parental organizations, with police, etc. So a lot of uh, work uh, before the problem was recognized as a, as a problem. But that was not enough. Uh, so uh, we were then a few years ago successful that your NCAP, that's an association which is assessing the safety of cars, they were recognizing and giving points for this, for the safety rating. That was a big achievement, also nephed us. But then we want to technically even to, uh, to bring it to the market, especially in the United States, because legislation was not ready. So we made lobbying that that uh, the frequencies were uh, allowed uh, for, for cars. That was already an, an, a big effort. Then the technology was not ready. Our chip manufacturer, uh, he was not uh, ready to market it. So we helped him to develop his own chip to be qualified for, for this. And, and the list is going on. So it's a huge, uh, let's say, portfolio of measures uh, to be there. Then we were the, f the first one, uh, pioneers. And I think what is the confirmation of these success stories now, I think uh, at least 30 companies are also saying we are also offering this. So they are following just us. Uh, but we were a kind of trendsetter. Mm. And this, this is one of example, and there are other stories. We did do it in, in a similar way. So uh, very much it highlights the importance of lobbying in your company. Yeah. Lobbying is an, uh, a very important, uh, uh, let's say, position of our company. So. Uh, we are work, working mostly in, in safety, so saving lives. Uh, so we have a purpose which is very honorable. All our products are saving lives. And, uh, and uh, uh, safety is very uh, much linked to regulations. So uh, airbags, seatbelts, all, all these devices, they are regulated. That's why we are looking very much at, at statistics, uh, what are uh, still problems which are not solved, and then, and then we are looking to find technical solutions, and then we are also then influencing the regulators that they should support us, in, in fact, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to enable uh, these, these products to, to enter the market. So if you are thinking about young people with an engineering background or supply chain background, do you still have an outlook for them? What jobs you will be looking for in the yeah. future? Yeah, yeah. We, we are constantly looking for uh, people with a technical background and it's becoming increasingly challenging. Uh, so all the companies we are in technology are, are looking for, for, for young people, highly educated people. And uh, if I'm coming back to the automotive, uh, so the big trends are uh, automation of, of, of the cars, electrification and digitalization. And, uh, and all those, they are in, in fact pushing that we are all looking for more people uh, in, in software, in IT, 
in data science, writing algorithms, uh, also electronics, because electronics are still the carrier of, of, of the software, and uh, everybody is looking for the same profits. We have here a huge problem, uh, not only in Luxembourg, but also on the European level, because uh, the universities we have, they are not even capable to uh, only to cope with the demand we will have in the next 10 years, only for the emotive sectors, but also the other sectors. We are looking also for the same people. There is really a huge task, our ministers for education and politics, uh, to, to, to give an answer to this. The demand is there. So you, so you encourage people to come here to this nice location beside the, what do you call it, automobility center yes. here yeah. in the middle of Luxembourg? Yes, yes, um, but I think uh, the, the, we are a little bit, let's say, in, in, the, in the green field here. It's a nice and, and quiet uh, location, uh, but for some uh, people coming here, it's, it's, it's travel time. But, uh, but we have to offer uh, an exciting jobs because the purpose is, uh, is, uh, is, is, uh, is really good because we are working on products which are saving lives and making life better. And that is something which is, uh, people are liking, so they know for what they are working for. Mm. Yeah, we come to the last question, and Jill, that's your question. So the final question, what personal dreams would you like to fulfill mm -hmm. one day? That's a difficult one. So really personal, not business related. Really personal. Really personal. So I love, um, I love to, to, to travel, and that's uh, the privilege I have in my job also to travel. But travel, traveling privately and uh, discovering new countries and discovering uh, new people, uh, cultures, etc. That's something uh, uh, I like very, very much. And also my, my family, they are the same thing. But one dream I have, and uh, it's still a bit far away, that is traveling to the Antarctica. So, but that takes time. It take, it's also a budget. <laughs> it takes also preparation. But that is uh, something, if I'm retired, I think that would be the number one project. <laughs> okay, Paul, uh, thank you very much for hosting us here uh, at EAA in Biesen, in your new headquarter. And thank you very much for all the insights you have given us in this uh, logistics conversation podcast. Thank you too so much. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Logistics Conversation. You can find our podcast and interview on SoundCloud, Spotify, and of course our webpage www.c4l.lu. Thank you.